This podcast is brought to you by BeatStars, the number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. In this episode, our host Damian Ritter speaks to special guest DJ Payne One on the commonly asked question, how many sounds should you use in a beat? To our pro page users, don't forget to check out our opportunities and challenges on BeatStars World for a chance to work with some of the industry's best creators. If you're not a pro page member, but would like to try it out, use the code PODCAST for a 30-day free trial. And of course, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Enjoy the show. So anybody, okay, looks like we got some people coming in. What's going on, everybody? What's going on? What's going on? Wait for a second to have some more people come through before we get started for today's live MEC session. Um, damn, I'm still getting it late. When I when I talk, I, I think I even hear it through your headphone. Um, Boof on the beat, what up? Jay Etienne, I think that's how I pronounce it. I'm not sure. Um, so I have some good and, and bad news to report. Um, the bad news being KO from Roasting Review was supposed to be on the show today. Uh, last minute cancellation. Uh, but the good news is we got DJ Payne One filling in in his seat. So we are still going to hold it down today and have a really dope session. Uh, Payne, thank you for joining us, man. Of course. For sure. So, and and it's kind of like, so we've had, ever since, even with the B-Stars partnership, we've had a guest every single time. And that's typically what I like to do. I like to bring on other people that have, you know, an expertise in a particular area, have a product or service, or just know something that I don't know, so I can inter- interview them. Um, but I, from time to time, I do like to have a session where um, I'm just taking questions from the audience, and it's more, you know, community driven to make sure that we're touching on the topics that people want to know about. So this is going to be one of those. Um, so I'm going to let you guys drive the discussion. Um, so if there are topics uh, or questions that you have, um, submit them in the comment box, and that's what we'll talk about. Um, so I don't know if there's anything else on your mind. I know I just kind of – I don't know what Payne was doing when I asked him to come on. I don't know what he normally does on a Monday because we typically don't talk. But, um, you know, what – Nice. Is that is that is that how you structure your your week, pain? Like, because obviously you you know do the MEC stuff. You are a producer full time. Um, you know you teach. You know when I guess when classes get back to normal, you're able to be in the classroom. You're normally in a classroom teaching beats. How do you how do you structure your day to be able to get everything done throughout the week? Well, you said I'm normally in a classroom teaching beats. Don't you like you teach? Don't you teach kids? In no. classrooms, or is that was just um, a one-off? Well, my nonprofit does that, but obviously we don't do that now because of COVID. But yeah, a lot of it I coordinate. But you know, I might do a few schools during the spring semester, but it's not um, it's not a full-time job or anything. Got you. Okay, but how, so how do you structure between like do you? Do you just make beats whenever your creativity inspires you, or do you have a certain day where you make beats? I wish, man. Um, as much as I try to structure my life, 
my life unstructures itself for me. So, you know, I'll wake up and something new comes up. I got to do this, this, and this. And so I rush to do that, you know, and then someone might want to beat or someone might want a custom beat. And so I'm dealing with all the business that go, that, that comes with that. And then by the time that business is over with, you know, it's like five o'clock and I might have to do some cleaning or grocery shopping or, you know, whatever I do. And then just the real life. Lucky. Yeah. Just the, the day to day mundane life stuff. And then, um, you know, usually I end up able to work on music later at night. Um, sometimes I get to work on it in the afternoon. Sometimes I get to work on it. Um, yeah, usually just the afternoon or the, or the later evening. Got you. Stream beats. up to me, I'd be making beats all day, but it's not possible. Stream B sounds. He asked, do producers need managers or management? And you don't currently have a manager. Um, and why is that pain? Uh, I have, I have help when I need it. So I don't want to make it seem like I don't get overwhelmed and, and I don't have people helping me with, you know, kind of logistical stuff and, and scheduling and responding to inquiries and all that. But to me, management is a little more serious of a commitment. Um, and so I'm not opposed to having management. It's just that I'm doing a lot of work licensing beats online, you know, and um, BeatStars has really become the center of my of my business and my brand. So I don't really need management for that. That's the beauty of it because it's automated. People get their paperwork. People get their beat files right away. And if they do have questions, you know, they can contact me and, and it's pretty direct. It's It's me working directly with the artist, whereas if I were working a lot with the labels like I was, you know, a couple of years ago. I don't want to make it seem like I'm not working with the labels. I just signed a Def Jam contract on Monday, but uh, last Monday. No, 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 last Thursday, actually. It was, <laughs> we can talk about that. But, you know, I, it's not to the point where I need management. I don't have that many inquiries coming in. It might be like a few placements a year. So, um, so yeah, I think that's where a lot of a lot of artists and producers, you know, they just they just want a manager to do the shit that they don't want to do, even right. if even if they don't necessarily need a manager. Because I think, especially for most people watching this, like you guys don't need a manager. You just really need to learn how to, you know, have some structure for yourself and learn how to get comfortable doing the things that you don't want to do. Like, and that goes for any any career or lane or whatever. Like you're gonna that. To me, a lot of times separates people that are successful for those that aren't successful is learning how to do and get comfortable doing the things that you don't want to do. Like the the most fun job is going to have a lot of things that you probably don't want to do. Um, so get comfortable doing that because you definitely don't need. I'm not gonna say you definitely don't need a manager because I don't know who else listening to this, but more often than not, the people that that tune into here they don't need a manager yet they just need to get organized educated um and put in the work so all right we got some more questions coming through impulse says what's up dame got a question for you do you suggest releasing a project and letting the collective view stream count pick the singles or would it be better to pick the singles beforehand and then work them prior to the project's releases so 
I mean, I'm sure Payne will have a a, a, a opinion about this too. But like, I don't think you ever should just release a project, and I think you should release singles and you know work the singles and have that roll up into to a project. And then if the when the project comes out, if there's a song that's starting to do well just organically that you didn't realize, then maybe highlight that song, continue to push and promote that song. Uh, but I would never just drop a project and then figure out the singles. You probably want to have a build up to a project and only release a project when there's demand for that project and you can create a narrative and a story around that project that you think is compelling um, and have some good promotion ideas uh, around the project. Um, Pan, you want to weigh in on that one? Yeah, my thing is if you're starting from zero and you don't have a bunch of input from fans yet, you really just have to make decisions on your own. Obviously, once you get to a certain point where you have, you know, thousands of fans, you see a lot of artists do things like preview music. You know, they say, hey, I'm working on these three new songs. Here's an exclusive live stream where I'm going to preview some of this music and talk to my fans about it and see, you know, which ones are, which track is your favorite. And, you know, we talked about this on a podcast recently where a lot of artists will use that strategy for figuring out which merch designs to release, you know, which t-shirt design do my fans like the most. But if you're at the point where you feel like you, you still need to just build up fans, then you just have to really put out a lot of content and, and try to make it as best as you can. And I, and I mean, content um and that includes you know making your music as good as it can be don't don't i i see so many musicians submit music you know when i do music reviews for example um they'll submit music that clearly wasn't their best effort you know it'll be a terrible recording it'll be them freestyling and they're like yo here here's my submission what do you think and it's like you freestyled your way through an industry beat this is not you putting your best foot forward so if i can see that so can the fans so content starts with the best possible art and i'm i'm not saying it has to be amazing and if and if you're not at the at the J. Cole level or the Jay-Z level, you're trash. I'm saying do your best, really consciously do your best and apply that to everything. Um, so then you go from um, you, you go from the, the good music, that's your foundation, to engaging content, whatever that is, whether you're live streaming and there's some kind of theme and there's some kind of consistency, whether you're putting out entertaining content, maybe you're funny, you're putting out comedic content, Maybe you're serious, you're putting out social commentary. Just continue doing that and, and making it as good as, as you can possibly make it. And that will you know, create over time, especially if you have a good strategy and your content really is good and you're really trying and you're not taking breaks or, or taking shortcuts. Over time, you'll, you'll develop that fan base. And once the fan base is engaged, that will really inform your strategy moving forward. So it's really hard, I, I think maybe Dame you'll agree, it's really hard for us to tell you what to do, especially if you're at a point where you haven't done enough to get much feedback and to get much experience knowing what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I, so the general feedback for something like this without knowing, you know, his specific, I mean, I, I know Impulse, but I don't, I don't know exactly what his 
his plans are is, you know, don't release a project, release singles, gather the information and feedback, hopefully, you know, from those singles, have it build up to a project. And then when the project comes out and something surprises you, like, wow, I didn't know that that, that people were going to take a liking to this song, you know, then maybe craft a whole strategy around that song in particular and roll that out, whether it include the video, um, you know, exploring the content of that song to see if it makes sense to do a remix or partner with somebody or a brand or something like that to create some, some bigger promotional strategies around it. Um, so that's, that's the way I would approach it. Hopefully that helps impulse. Uh, did you throw this one up there? I'm assuming you did. Yep. Okay. Is live record is live record sampling clearer than sampling from YouTube? I don't know what a live record is. Cause I thought a record was just like a record. So is it? How can a record be live? No live record. Uh, I, I don't. I I thought you threw this up there because you knew what the question was. I, I no, I just want clarity. And then and then if I if if someone can clarify this, I'll try my best to answer it. All right, it's hard to get clarity because people have to post the comment like like. <laughs> So don't throw a question up there that you have no idea what it means. All right, how about this one? Let's let's both at the same time. I I actually responded LOL because he said something funny, but let's let's both at the same time, Dame, acknowledge Bufo. Okay. Didn't I say what's up, Bufo? I said what's up, Bufo. You did. You did. You did. But you just you you just have to do it with more passion. Oh. All right, <laughs> Bufo's my guy. He already knows that. He doesn't need. He doesn't. He doesn't need me to confirm this every week. All right, this uh, isn't going well. Um, let me move really on not. to the next one. Yeah, <laughs> so. you don't just throw every question up there, man. You have to look at. I don't know how you run your beat star sessions, but you have to just look like at this. The, you have to. You have to look at the question, make sure it's a good question and it makes sense, and throw that one in there. You don't just throw up random questions. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're smiling i think this is an improvement okay so are are there a particular number of sounds you use in a beat i like this question because i was thinking about this last night i bounced a session for a beat that i thought sounded pretty complete and i noticed there were only 13 tracks in the session and i thought back to how i made beats five years ago and my sessions had probably 50, 40, 40 at minimum and maybe like 70 at maximum tracks, which was just, it's too much. And I recently had um, Bubba Got Beats. I was about to say Buffa on the beat because we have to acknowledge him. We we, um, we had a conversation with, with Bubba Got Beats and we, uh, we spoke about the simplicity of his beats and what his structure was and, and his his approach was chord progression and top line in addition to the drums and that and that was really kind of it so i think that's an important conversation to have and i think um the producer that gets the simplicity of music is a producer that is on the right path um you know most music isn't super chaotic complex layered confusing um at least not popular music there are all kinds of of genres but really focusing on a a strong loop i think is for me it's the basis of some of the greatest 
hip hop beats, some of the greatest pop beats, some of the greatest EDM beats, some of the greatest dance hall beats of all time. And so working on simplifying but making your simplified beats as effective at communicating something to the listener is is the goal and it's a goal that I that I try to work towards every day and it's it's actually really difficult yeah i mean some of the dope i think uh, obviously i have very limited opinion on that makes that that should hold any value in this question, but like you know, just as a consumer or a fan of music, like some of the dopest beats are super simple. Um, and I don't know why that super like one particular super simple beat stands out over another. It just does. It might be the mix. It might. I don't. I don't know. But um, I I don't think any producer. Well, maybe some do, but. Do producers approach it like I'm going to have a certain number of songs? I mean, a certain number of sounds in in my beat. Like I want a certain number of sounds, or is it? How do you approach your beats, Payne? That's a, that's a better question. Like when you sit down, and you're... yeah. That's an interesting. I think you see people doing challenges like that. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge myself to make a a full sounding beat with only three sounds. You know, something like that. Um, and I think those challenges are fun. I think you can learn a lot about yourself and a lot about your process. But as far as putting a number on how many tracks you use in a particular session if it's not based on on some experience that you had or or some challenge that you're that you're giving yourself or some kind of technological limitations then i don't necessarily see the point but the way i make beats is just i just sit down and make a beat I, i honestly i sit down and make a beat and if i if i don't like it i change it if i like it i save it and then I put it out and I see what the people say because that's really the, the, the test. I put out beats that I did not like and people love them. And I put out beats that I loved and nobody cared. Mm. So to me, if, if my goal is to get my beats licensed, all I really need to do is make the, is structure the beat in a way that it's accessible to, to someone who's writing to it and mix it in a way where there's space for their vocals. That's 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 my rule for... Um, making beats to, to sell online. Got you. So has anyone tried working with interns for online social marketing? So I want to talk about this for a second, because again, it goes back to, you know, people just wanting help. Um, I hired interns probably about two or three years into funk volume. Um, and know that when you bring on interns, in the beginning, if you're not invested in like their real development, um, it's, they should take up more time than they save in the beginning because you have to teach them like, and you have to get feedback from them on like what they want to learn. Right. So when I, when I brought on an intern, I said, what, what is it that you want to learn? What's going to help your development? Cause I was actually interested in developing this young person to acquire the skills that would help them go on into whatever they were going to do. So it was never about like, Hey, let me save as much time and get this young person to do all the crap work that I didn't want to do. So if that's your mindset, then don't get an intern. It's going to end bad because they're going to sense that that is what you brought them on to do. And it's probably going to be a very short lived internship. 
Um, so know that, like have an, an actual genuine interest in these young people because you want to develop them and build a relationship with them because time moves very fast, very fast. And, you know, eventually your intern is is going to get a job at, you know, a music company and then they're going to progress in their career. And if you've done the right things and went about it the right way and, you know, were authentic and actually contributed to their development, you know, that can potentially be a good relationship for you later on down the line. So if you want an intern just to answer your emails or, you know, upload your beats or just do some editing, um, you know, I, I would suggest you just do that work yourself or pay somebody to do it. Payne, you have any experience with inter- like un- I'm assuming that you're talking about unpaid interns as well because the interns that I brought on they got credit at a local college so they all went to college at CSUN Cal State Northridge, um, so it was free to me but they got credit at the college, which is kind of cool. So uh, I've been asked to take on interns by by people wanting to be interns and it's kind of like. I don't know. What do I do? What do you know? Because my whole thing is, I've worked so hard to create my brand, and I did it, you know, mostly by myself. And to bring someone into that flow when it's just such a chaotic lifestyle, like my lifestyle is just pure chaos. Um, I'm not. I don't do anything crazy. But it's just so chaotic all the time. Just some, I'm using so many different platforms. You know, this is coming from this direction. This is coming from that direction. So what, what value can I provide an intern while still making sure they're providing value to, to my brand? You know, is it going to be a situation where I'm giving 70% to teach them and they're giving 30% to help me? Or is it just this really organic? Because to me, an internship should be this organic exchange, but a kind of implicit exchange where an intern is... It's it's probably going to be that 70... I just want to let people know. It's probably going to be that 70-30 in the beginning. I mean, I'm going through that right now. She's not an intern. We're trying to groom her to be an assistant for Minx and Ja for the comedians that I manage. And, you know, I think it's about, like, giving somebody a little at a time and be like, because like you said, it's very chaotic. There's a lot of things coming from a lot of different directions. So I try to compartmentalize things and be like, okay, do this specific task and ask all the questions around it that you need to be able to do it successfully. And then once you have that, then we'll bite off something else as opposed to trying to introduce her to everything, you know, from social media, from the marketing team, to the lawyer. Like I can't, like it, it's, it's going to be a process. It's going to be a long process, you know, to, to get somebody onto the team and have an expectation that they're going to have a limited amount of fuck ups. Um, so we always start really slow. Um, let's see. Uh, this looks like a producer. Do you see any, cause some of these are producer questions that I like this one, for example, I'm sure you can answer it. I just I shrug, you know, any, anytime a question is phrased as, is this cheating? I'm just like, I don't know. Do you feel right. good about it? Cool. Just do it. 
Alright, so you're not gonna, that's all you have to Well, I mean, like, is using a MIDI pack cheating? I mean, isn't that the reason people release those things? It's like, people thought using FL was cheating. People thought, I don't, I don't know. I mean, these tools are out there for, like, is using a hammer cheating? Shouldn't you be using your What forehead? the hell is a MIDI? I don't even know what a MIDI pack is. What is a MIDI pack? Um, it's like loud pack, but... You're from California. You should know these questions. No, um, I'm kidding. Um, a MIDI pack is just MIDI stands for music. Oh my God, music something, music information, digital interface. Let me Google this. What does MIDI stand for? Uh, I don't care what it stands for. What does it do? <laughs> no, it's important. It stands for musical instrument digital interface. <laughs> MIDI is just data. It's it's a series of data that that it's basically like digitized sheet music data it tells you what notes are being played how fast they're being played um what kind of instrument is playing them the velocity of each note how long why would anybody consider it cheating why would this person consider it cheating because the producer community loves shaming people the the producer community is is this world of it's like a middle school boys locker room or girls locker room actually probably worse um, it's just all about shame. We love shaming each other. Just tell, you're doing it wrong. What's why are you doing this? I can't stand people who chop samples. I can't stand people who use splice. I can't. It's just like, come on, man. Just make beats and be happy with your life. All right. Here's a question that I know you can answer because it's about you. Come on, Payne. You're, you're, you're killing me with these answers. Let's you go. didn't even know what a MIDI pack was. Come on, give me some Exactly trick. my point. That's why I would needed you to answer the question. <laughs> and I did, and now you know what the acronym stands for. You're <laughs> welcome, Dame. I didn't I didn't I didn't had I didn't remember it, but what made you want to lean more into doing soulful hip hop beats, Payne? You're killing my session. I just like making those. I mean, I like making them and that's that's what I enjoy. The first beat I ever made was sample based. No, it wasn't sample based, but it was modeled after a DJ Muggs beat. I was a teenager, so like that was kind of the music that I enjoyed listening to, and that's just what I do now. I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to change it, but um, once I got into the whole online beat licensing world, I thought you know maybe I should, I should explore different genres just to kind of blend into to what's what appeared to be popular. And I remember Dream Life telling me, "No, don't do that." focus on your core sound and I was like well what is my core sound and I had a conversation with him he told me what my core sound was and when I considered it can I mean can anyone name a placement of mine like a really popular song that wasn't a kind of a soulful hip-hop beat even if you look at the Sammy and Lil Baby record that was still those were still soul chords um there were you know trap drums whatever the hell that means but to to me it's all hip-hop I just like making a, a sound that's a little jazzy or a little more soulful and I'll I'll experiment with whatever I just I love making everything but for me it's a lot easier to market something that I do mostly just naturally than it is for me to base my entire business on trying to chase a trend that I'm always going to be behind on and who are some of you, it looks like you said who are some of your who are some of your influences uh, and Bufo said, "What about the Jeezy stuff?" Yeah, I mean, listen, listen to the Jeezy stuff. All soulful stuff. All soulful. Um, my influences: RZA, DJ Premier, DJ Mugs, Dan the Automator, 
someone who Dame just interviewed recently, Amp Live. Um, tricky, massive attack. Uh, oh God, a whole lot of people, man. Happy Betas is freaking dope. Um, I don't know, Alchemist. I like everybody. They're all good. Let's well, let's talk about content ID for a second. Sean Lewis says, "Do you recommend using content ID?" It seems like a great way to keep track of who's using your beats. This I know content ID can be a huge clusterfuck. Um, so, Payne, do you use content ID? So, for you and the beats that you know, obviously you've produced. When people upload them, do you claim? Do you use content ID to put claims on on all the videos that use your beats? I I, I don't really, but. A lot of content ID systems are just hard to use because of the whole uh, stigma of hip-hop and beat licensing and sampling and, and all of these things that the distributors and the, and the big content ID um, CMSs don't want to deal with. But if you're using YouTube, you don't have a choice. Content ID governs YouTube. So one way or another... You're going to use con- content ID and you're going to be used by content ID. So what I mean is if I upload a beat to YouTube, right, and my channel is monetized, which it is, in a sense, I'm using content ID because if someone else uploads that same beat, now there's a conflict in the content ID system and I'm getting a copyright claim. So no matter what, you're going to use content ID. My recommendation to you is just understand how to navigate that system, whether or not you choose to aggressively go after every beat that is uploaded to YouTube and, and, and claim, you know, a, a portion of that. Either way, you're going to have to deal with it. So it's a system that's there. Figure out how to use it. Figure out how to file DMCA claims when you need to and just, you know, figure out how to approach these situations with tact um, and and with the goal of resolving them and not just you know, monetizing or filing takedowns as a first course of action. Got you. All right. So Zaki tour, I don't know how you, Zaki tour, tour, how important is it to go to music conferences and how do you network and promote yourself to the right people? Well, it's super important to attend every beat stars online conference because it's free and we got really dope people that attend every single time. So, and that's something that's going to be held quarterly. Um, when we're going to get back to actual conferences in person, I have no idea. It's probably going to take some time. Um, and my perspective is conferences can be, well, I've been to a couple conferences that were just terrible. Um, South by Southwest is, was cool. I thought they were pretty, pretty in terms of like, you know, on top of being a good time, uh, South by Southwest actually had some panels that I thought was, were pretty forward thinking. Um, I've heard that CD Baby's conference is 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 legit and, and dope. Um, A3C I thought had some had some pretty dope panels, um, you know. But with any conference, you have to do a bunch of research before you even go because a lot of times you're going to get it to the conference. There's going to be so many different people, so many different panels. It's going to be overwhelming. So when we do get back to going to actual conferences, make sure it's a dope conference, number one. And if you don't know, I would just ask in our Facebook group of people's feedback on, on a conference that's happened before. Um, 
But before you go to a conference, you know, you typically can see like who are the speakers, what are the panels going to be, what time they're going to be. You got to really map out what you're going to do and what you're trying to get accomplished and the people that you're going to try to meet. Right. And I would do a lot of work in reaching out to those people prior to because, again, once you get there, you know, the same people you want to talk to, everybody wants to talk to. However, if there's a way to contact that person prior to and establish a little meeting or something like that, because me personally, like I don't I, I don't do well in like a crowded room. You know, I'm very strategic about how I network and how I built my network. But I'm not the life of the party. I'm not going to, you know, you know, do like things spur of the moment and get people's contact information. You know, I'll be I'll be more strategic and I'll un- understand who's going to be there and try to maybe reach out to them on LinkedIn, um, set up a little, you know, meeting after or before they're speaking, something like that. So I know that was a lot of rambling, but long story short, some conferences are dope. Some are terrible. But the ones that are dope, make sure you're prepared very well before you even get there. Because the first time I went to South by Southwest, um, it was fun, but I didn't really get much done because it was a little overwhelming. As soon as I got there, I was just kind of in a whirlwind, just kind of. And I realized when it was over, I saw everything that happened that I didn't get to attend. I was like, damn, I missed that. I missed that. I didn't see. I didn't even know they were there. So a lot of planning would have done me a lot of good. So. Yeah. Any 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 uh, advice on conferences, Payne? Yeah, we met at a conference. You and I. You never know where conferences will lead you. You might end up starting a dope educational platform with a podcast, and yeah. yeah. So you can. I mean, I think I think in person. I mean, a lot can be done online. You know, we can we can build relationships. I've met a lot of people online and built some really great relationships, but you know, in person and that connection, um, you know, I, I think, um, uh, it's, it's been undervalued, you know, cause no, people- I mean, it, it like I've partnered with so many people that I met at conferences and I, and I don't want to act like I've been to tons of conferences, but, um, yep. Yeah. I met you at A3C. Abe introduced us. Um, I met Dream Life at A3C through the Beat Stars panel. I met, God, I'm trying to think. I met Royce, the Five Nines manager. After I met Royce in my city when he was on tour with DJ Premier, I just kind of pulled up and by chance I was coming out of the bathroom when he was leaving and then we had a conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, like, all these these people that I've met in person, I tend to have stronger relationships with. Just because there, like Dame said, there's there's an X factor that's that's you can have a strong relationship with somebody over the internet. You really can. Um, but there's just an extra catalyst that exists when you're in the same physical space as somebody, and there's some kind of physical chemistry between the two. I'm not saying it like in a sexual way or like a romantic way, but like if you're around somebody and you feel their energy, you'll remember that more than a message that you exchange via you know twitter or something probably probably um and you have a better chance at making an impression if you're in the same physical space as them <laughs> so we got we got to step we got to step this up because angel ray and and bufo are talking about how angel is uh lactose intolerant 
And that's never happened during one of my sessions. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta step this session up. All right, y'all. If you joined late, this is an open session where you guys can comment, and we can answer your questions. Um, if you guys have any more questions, we'll probably stay on for like another 15, 20 minutes, um, or we can talk about how Angel Ray is lactose intolerant. If that's what y'all want to do, or my beard. The Bufo said my beard looked better in person. <laughs> It's kind of dry. It's kind of, it's kind of dry today, and the, the light's not hitting it right. Um, uh, it says, "Hold on, here we go." Dang, what piece of advice have you received that you still use today? Shit. Um, I have a lot of mentors. I, well, I have, I've, I have had a lot of mentors in in my life, and I credit them. You know for my growth and development just as a human being. I haven't had very many mentors in music, though. Um, you know, I had a lot of structure in, when I was in the corporate world um, and just a lot of great people in my life. It's about, you know, just just doing the right thing and, and, and treating people right. Um, so in music, in music, I'm trying to see who, who was my mentor. I would say... Um, Dave Weiner from from Strange Music, who was at Strange Music, he was like Travis's right hand man. He was he was super helpful in teaching me like about distribution when when like physical distribution was a thing. Um, you know, I, I definitely took a lot of stuff from him. He taught me about distribution. Um, you know, but I can't really say anybody in music. I kind of just learned on my own. A lot. I learned from other artists. Um, Pan, you got mentors in music? Unfortunately, early on, no. I mean, I had mentors. I I went to a teen center um, when I was a kid. It helped me stay out of trouble. I actually served some community service there. And there were producers that came through, but they didn't trust me enough to, like, let me mess with the MPC or the Triton, so I kind of had to figure it out on my own but yeah in business i mean i consider mike trampy a mentor for sure um actually probably one of the best pieces of pieces of advice i got was from somebody that you work with regularly dame um lee larue you work with him at um foundation and i knew him as the what was the label it's part of warner it still exists i think but like oj the juice man was on about ada Nah, um, man, it was, they had the floor, like, right underneath Atlantic in the same building. Um, Damn it, man, why am I not? New Boys was a part of it, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, um, Lee told me when I was being very emotional as a producer and really resistant to send beats out, uh, cause I was scared to death of getting them stolen. He says, look, man, if your beats get stolen or if they get used in a way that you didn't authorize, just make more beats. It's kind of your job to make more beats. I was like, oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. I'm going to make three more beats tomorrow. I should focus on that more than I should focus on the, on the possibility of something going wrong with the three beats that I made yesterday. You know what I mean? This is a very emotional industry, like a a lot of ego, a lot of emotion, and it would do everybody some good to just one, recognize that that is the case. And two, you know, 
set that shit aside and like understand like what you're trying to accomplish and the long-term impact of what you're doing right now and how you might be messing it up. Right. And I think that because music comes from, from you, you're very passionate about what you do. You're very probably emotional about your music. It's not like, you know, selling pencils or selling, I don't know, phones or whatever. There's a lot of emotion wrapped up in the art that you guys are making, but you guys need to separate that from the business to the best of your ability, or at least have a representative that can represent your art that, that can do that. Um, cause I think that fucks up a lot of opportunities, um, you know, fucks up a lot of relationships. Uh, and sometimes you don't get more than one chance to build with people. Um, so I hope that it's helpful for some people because I've just, I've just seen that time and time again, whether it's ego or emotion, it just kind of just really, just really messes things up. Um, let's see. Do you see any other... How do you how do you stay motivated and inspired, Payne? You probably just read comments on social media and get inspired. I'm assuming that inspires um, our podcast topics. <laughs> Sometimes you know, because I'll get to a point where I'm like, man, what kind of video am I going to make this week? And then someone leaves a comment. It's like all oh, producers are doomed. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Let's that talk is, about that. That is how we inspire the podcast. And we typically see people's comments and how people are responding to something. Either that or just kind of new, new stuff that happens in the industry. Um, but yeah, but from a like when when you're down and you just don't feel like, do you ever force yourself to create? And can you create? Yeah, hell yeah. Is it good? Like, does the beats come out the same? Um. It's way harder to get started, but yeah, I mean, it's like forcing yourself to exercise. If you can get over that initial resistance, if you can get past that hump, then you might suddenly realize that you're 15 minutes deep into a workout and you feel better than you did, you know, prior. Um, It doesn't always work that way, but, you know, if you love making beats and, and you get something out of that process, then sometimes... You got to force yourself. I mean, we force ourselves to go to school and we don't want to. We got to force ourselves to go to work when we don't want to. Um, this is forcing ourselves to do something that we actually love. And so I think that can be a part of self-discipline. I'm not saying force yourself. If you find yourself forcing yourself to make music all the time, there's a problem. Maybe you don't actually like doing music. Or, or there's there's something going on and I encourage you to seek out you know whatever counseling or therapy you need um i'm i have my appointment on on wednesday so you know that's a part of just self-care but for me i i don't have a problem staying motivated or inspired because i'm always around people that i'm trying to work with that i'm whose abilities i'm trying to match whose talents inspire me to to continue um putting out more i love i love how I'll say this when I started putting up all my beats online and getting immediate feedback that motivated me even more because I'm I'm hearing from people when I was sending beats out and someone asked me how often do I send out beats like not very often at all Um, when I was just sending out beats to A&Rs or artists and not getting any responses that's so demoralizing that doesn't motivate you if you never hear back and you spent all this time and invested your energy and emotion into making art and you send it out and you never hear back from, from the person that you're sending it to, that's a horrible feeling. 
So now I can just put stuff up on BeatStars and within an hour I'm getting comments and getting sales and, and getting inquiries. And that feels great. It feels it, it motivates me to continue doing that. And then surrounding myself with people like like Dream Life or, um, you know, working with singers like uh, like the writer Tina G or Brianna Marin, just it, it, that that stuff motivates me just constantly wanting to be better for myself and for my collaborators and for my supporters. So I think that, um, I mean, I can understand that if, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, you know, it's harder to stay motivated. However, in music as an entrepreneur, there's so many different aspects to what you need to do to be successful. So like, you know, if you're not feeling making beats today, you know, put together some merch designs, learn some publishing, um, you know, maybe put up your website. Like there's, there's so many different learn marketing, learn Facebook ads. Like there's so many different things that you have to learn how to do that. Hopefully it, it, it never gets boring, right? It shouldn't get boring. Um, I mean, I like things. I think it's exciting to be an entrepreneur because of that, like, because there's always something to do, or there's always something that I can think of to make to do. Right. But I think, what Payne was talking about is like, you know, if you have a vision and you have goals and hopefully you have some shorter term goals, like as soon as you start having some wins, that should fuel you even more. It's like, wow, I accomplished this. Now I'm trying to get to the next level, right? Whether that's your first sale or whether you're trying to get it, whether you're at a point where you're getting a hundred sales a day, you know, you should always have these goals and be motivated by these wins, um, and it may not be sales yet, right? Now it should just, maybe it's just finishing the beat for today. I want to make a beat a day for the next 10 days. That's a win, you know? And then you start getting some positive feedback. That's a win. Then you get a sale. That's a win. Then you get 10 sales. Like, it's not going to happen that fast. Maybe that's a longer a longer time span. But um, if you're not motivated and or inspired and you can't get yourself there, then this may, it, it may be the case that this may not be for you in terms of career, maybe it might just be a hobby, right? We all got to make that decision too, because, you know, I say it all the time. This is extremely tough. There's a lot of different things that you have to do, a lot of different levers you have to pull. Um, so, you know, hopefully just hearing from other people and, and being around people that are successful and dope, that inspires you. Uh, I draw my inspiration from a lot of different places, but, you know, as soon as you start getting some wins under your belt, you know, you should be super motivated. Um, Angel says she's doing a 10-minute beat challenge. What is that? To make a beat in 10 minutes? Those be If you can make a dope beat in 10 minutes, that's pretty amazing. I, I'm sure it's going to... Well, I'm not sure it's going to sound like crap, but I, can you make a beat in 10 minutes, Payne? She, she did it, and it was one of her top-selling beats. So that's why I'm always... I remember I made a video, because there was a moment when, like... You know how, like, in certain communities, all of a sudden the challenge kind of takes over, and people are trying to do that challenge? Whether it's in the fitness community, remember that whole, like, uh, push-up challenge that everyone was doing for a couple months? And in the producer community a, a while back, I don't know if it was this year or last year, there was a 30 beats in 30 days challenge. And I remember making a video saying, I think it's a good idea to challenge yourself that way and people were all mad about it and they were like you're just gonna make a bunch of horrible beats in 30 minutes why are you or in 30 days why would you do that to yourself why would you devalue your art and my thing is like 
one, stop taking this shit so seriously. You're not painting the Mona Lisa every freaking time you sit down in front of a DAW. Part of it is just honing in your process. Part of it is challenging yourself. If you don't want to challenge yourself, I, I, I think that's pretty lame. And then on top of it, if if you're one of those people that says, well, I just want to, uh, if my beat takes a year for me to make, then I'm going to, that's what it's going to be. Like, no one wants to wait for a year for you to make a beat. I feel like that that's a flaw in your process, honestly. I, and I think that even if it's not a flaw in your process, learning how to work under pressure or learning how to be more efficient, at least in a technical sense, when you're creating your art is helpful. I think there's value in that. Are they really, are you guys really making a beat in like in 10 minutes or are you like, like literally from a blank slate, like just sit down, go, or is it like, I knew I made a beat before and I'm going to make something similar to that or try to replicate that in 10 minutes. Cause I've already done it. I know how to do it. And, or is it like literally blank slate 10 minutes ago? Uh, I mean, some people can do that. Not everybody can. Can you do it? Yeah, I could. Yeah. We got 10 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We do. We have exactly 10 minutes. (laughs) I was like, that's pretty impressive. I didn't know people were doing that. So shout out to the 10 minute beat makers. Um, Shit. Maybe we should have a 10 minute beat contest. I'm not sure what that proves. It's probably just, it's just fun. You know, it's just exciting to see somebody do it and, you know, do something in 10 minutes. Uh, it said, Dame, the idea is you don't overthink the process. Got it. Okay, cool. I mean, I don't, obviously, I don't make beats. So, you know, I used, I remember just being in the house, my brother making beats, and being around somebody making beats is like the most annoying thing ever. Um, Yo, it really is. That's all, that's all I know. And they just, it gets going through sounds. All I hear was do, 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 do. It's like fuck, like this is ridiculous. Um, so yeah. Okay, but think about think about freestyling. I kind of okay. look at it. That's that's not even like your beats are gonna sound like somebody's freestyling these days, and that sounds like crap because there's not, not everybody. It's <laughs> not that many people that can freestyle. No, there are all. a lot of people. It used it used to be an art. It used to be something that people did. It you you know like. Whether it was Juice, whether it was Supernatural, whether it was Eminem, a lot of people were doing that. And we're doing you know, that. How many cats actually freestyle? Like, if a cat goes for like 30 minutes, I'm not, not 30 minutes, 30 seconds, and like actually rhymes some words, like you praise him as if he was, you know, Eminem back in the day. Like, who's really freestyling today that's like really dope? I mean, we don't. I don't know. I don't think it's. I think it's going to come back one day, though. I think it's going to come back. But I think, you know, at one point, the whole. Um, actually, the baby and Meg the Stallion had some pretty good freestyles on on Double XL. Um, having said that, I hope it comes back. Right now, battle rap has changed to to writtens and so i think as a result it's kind of elevated the the complexity of the, the the battle verses um but it also took away the the spontaneity from it 
So, I mean, you know, I don't know. People's, people still, Black Thought did that 10 minute freestyle. I don't know to what extent Again, it was. Again, that's freestyle. Black, uh, but that's Black Thought is an OG, though. Like, Black Thought is like, I'm talking, because people, and it just, and it's not even, it's not even shitting on the young people day. It just makes sense because it's not, it's not, it's not a skill that's like pays well or, you know, right. a lot of people, a lot of people ask for. Um, cause back in the day, it was kind of a skill that proved yourself as an MC that elevated your status and gave you more recognition. Right. But, and that's not necessarily the same thing today, but it makes sense why people don't focus on that particular skill set. Right. Sure. What's popular now is very melodic singing like rap tunes. And that's why you're getting a lot of people making those type of sounds if what was popular was freestyling then but anyway if your if your 10 minute beats sound the way people freestyle today i don't want to hear them but what if they sound like black thought <laughs> well, then, then maybe then maybe you can upload the beat those the beat i feel like angel had a black thought moment because when i heard that beat i was like wow this is really good you, you know what was dope about it she didn't overthink it, and so there was a lot of space for the vocalist. And I, she, she's here, so she can speak for herself. But she can um, post. I don't know if she can post a link to the, or maybe she can post the name of her beat so people can look it up. But it did well for her. It was, I think it was her highest, maybe not highest selling, but it was a beat that that had the highest engagement. It had when I when I looked at it. It had over 3,000 plays because I think it got picked up by BeatStars playlisting. And um, it did well on YouTube. I, I, I don't know. People liked it. So maybe there's something to that. I don't know. If if she can make a beat in 10 minutes, is dope. We should find an artist that can put lyrics on that beat in 10 minutes and see if we can get a song in 20 minutes during a live session. You think, and this was live, right? Somebody that it wasn't like, was it live? Like when you got when are these ten minute challenges live? Like, and on what platform? Uh, I didn't that would be kind of cool. That would be kind of yeah. I mean, because that would be kind of cool to do to have like a if if people are good though. Like if it's if it's gonna turn out crappy, then obviously that's not. Well, that's we not won't good. ask you to be a judge then because we won't put you through that. But yeah, I think <laughs> it is a good idea. <laughs> we could do something. I think that's that's a, might have a new idea. Somebody said locksmith. Lock could probably freestyle. I don't think I've ever heard him freestyle, um, but I'm sure that he probably could, just given the way that he raps. Um. So, all right, cool. We'll we'll take one more question and then we'll shut it down. I apologize for those that got on late. We were supposed to have Kale from Roast and Review, um, but he had something come up last minute and he wasn't able to join us. Uh, so we got blessed with pain, uh, and now we just had an open session. So if you have a question, we can answer maybe one or two before we shut it down. Too much math, Dame. What is that? I don't know what that was referring to, Bufo. Um, Jubilee. I don't think any of these questions. I think everybody's talking about. Who can freestyle? Planet Asia yeah. probably freestyle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like can freestyle for Today, like in today, because now, like I said, even if you like the person who's a good freestyler today was probably like a nobody 20 years ago, like that level of skill. Um, high res can freestyle. I don't know. Maybe. 
but I would think that, you know, you don't necessarily get recognition for freestyle, but I would imagine it's like a good exercise for your brain in terms of making music. But again, coming from somebody that doesn't make music, I would just think freestyling is like a good, like, workout for, like, your actual music. Um, but what do I know? All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. I appreciate people for tuning in. Next week, um, we'll have our regular MEC session. Payne, who do you have on Thursday? We have Busy Works Beats, so the, the legendary FL Studio godfather of the internet, Busy Works Beats. Um, re- really would like to see some people come in and, and ask questions. I have a ton of questions for him, but I'm also not an FL Studio user, and I'm sure a lot of people tuning in um, have learn quite a bit from him throughout their their journeys uh, through production. So Busy Works Beats is going to be live on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here, same time, same place. And we're supposed to have Abe join us this week on the podcast to talk about the Apple in 30% issue that he was going in on Twitter about. Um, so I know, that, I know that Magic Beats asked that a little while ago during this session. So hopefully it's this week might be next, next week, but, um, I think we're going to be able to make it this week. So, yeah, I think so too. Cool. All right, y'all. I'll see y'all next week. Appreciate you tuning in. Peace.